0: This podcast Hello, is proudly brought to you by the National Youth Fellowship another of the In Mission. our new series, and by the grace of God, we have started to consider um, introductions into our IBS series. And um, in, the, in the former episode, we talked about the eyes of our understanding, um, trying to lay a foundation to the fact that when we do our own part by reading and studying and taking time to really walk our ways with the scripture, the spirit of God also has a role to play to ensure that we achieve maximum um, maximum results. And that role he plays is to open our understanding so that we can see deeply. We also establish that the difference between every christian who reads and studies is level to quickly can see so well, today we are going to continue um, with the same thoughts we are going to take the introduction to the ibs proper now and um, this is titled ibs a trajectory to bible bible mastery uh yes there may be other trajectories okay there are other types of studies if you are if you are a student you may know of expository bible study you may know of manuscript bible study you may know of one or two others but um, inductive bible study is also one aspect of it which i have experienced and i know it will help every one of us now ever wondered how some ministers, some real deep teachers um, are able to dig into the scriptures and bring out meanings and bring out, you know, messages from passages and um, we have met some very wonderful teachers too who take one passage and preach five different messages from just one passage and sometimes just one verse of the scripture. You know, it's all in the power of digging. How much can you dig into that scripture okay so IBS practically means inductive bible study and then um, uh, we know what is bible study That to study is to dig deep about a passage or a concept or an event so it's a research but we are saying we want to do it in the inductive way and um, this comes from logical reasoning. There is the inductive reasoning and the deductive reasoning. When a person is full of suspicion, he is only deducing, he is applying deductive reasoning. Um, when a person is full of uh, premonitions, um, he's is doing deductive reasoning. That is to say, uh, you know, like they normally say, the owl flew over the house at night and then the baby died and so we woke up in the morning and everybody is asking who killed the baby and you know they say how do you ask who killed the baby don't you know that an owl flew over the house last night mm-hmm. that is deductive reasoning you are saying that because an owl flew over then the owl killed the, bird, killed the, the, the child and um, that could stem from from uh, stereotyping that could stem from stereotypes, that could stem from um, um, uh, assumptions, Uh, like um, uh, uh, that could come from mere superstitious beliefs. (laughs) So maybe you've heard some stories of um, Uh, What happened and so you have made up your mind. When you approach a situation with a pre-made-up mind of what happened or what you are going to say happened or how you will interpret the situation, that is deductive reasoning. You are looking at some past knowledge or some past things you've heard to say that's what happened. Okay, I'm going there and I hear there's a fight. If Junior is there, then I tell you Junior is the one who looks for trouble. (laughs) You may have heard such statements yes junior may be a troublemaker but you don't have the right to approach the situation already with a made-up mind that junior is a trouble is the one who looked for trouble you may get there and junior is the one who looked for trouble but you may get there and junior is a victim so deductive reasoning tends to force the meaning into the passage but or into the event inductive reasoning tends to say oh please lay out all the facts in front of us and let us make our conclusion that is an induced conclusion the event is inducing your interpretation or the passage is determining your response the passage is determining your interpretation the facts in the passage is determining you see if we handle the scriptures inductively knowing that the scripture comes with its own meaning, you are not permitted to read your meaning into scripture, then all this doctrinal bias will come down to below 5%. But people don't choose to do that anyway. So this is a foundation for inductive Bible study. We approach the scriptures knowing that the scripture is authority, knowing that the scripture has its own message, and that we are our recipients. We are to be induced by the facts and figures of the scripture. We have no right to read our meaning into the scriptures because we want it to mean something, or we want it to condemn some people, or we want it to justify some other persons. Allow the scripture to speak for itself. Okay. So that's the 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 trick or the strategy behind inductive Bible study allow the scripture to speak to you, open your heart, create it, make it a blank slate, allow God to speak to you, don't ever say my pastor taught this so, that's what this passage means, no, don't ever say so bishop and that apostle taught this, therefore that is only what the passage means, no, when you open it, open your mind, open your eyes, let your heart approach it as fresh, okay, so first of all, study is different from reading, Some time ago on our platforms we promoted Bible reading and we says, oh good, let us read the Bible, let us read. Every Christian has the right to know the content of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But now we are talking about study. This is a step ahead of reading or many steps ahead of reading. So I will urge you to find a good time where you will not be in a hurry. You can read in a hurry, oh, four chapters every day, let me just rush it up and go for work or go to fellowship or go out or something. But you can't study in a hurry. Okay? Secondly, be ready to draw lines in your Bible. I know some of us our Bible is sacrosanct and (laughs) sacred. No pen or pencil will touch it, but that's not how to be a student. The word student is coined out from study. A person who takes time to study is a student. So you to be a good student be willing to draw lines on your bible it's a printed book okay and you are not mutilating it you are only making it easier to understand and grasp concept you may decide to get a crayon you know or a colored marker so that you can you know overlay colors on certain aspects, you know and be able to for instance if you decide that every bible promise you meet you will color it with pink and then every bible prophecy you meet you will color it with lemon green and every uh, Bible command or instruction that you meet you will color it with sky blue now that you can get these two markers and color your Bibles each time you look at it you know oh that's a promise oh that's a prophecy oh that's a command that's an instruction you see that's how to be a student so please be ready to do this with your Bible or you might as well decide to get a separate jotter and write down things okay I don't want to underline my Bible but I still want you to free your mind set your mind free feel free to underline your Bible to draw columns you know brackets and braces around places and draw lines because you may meet a passage that you need to connect certain things like oh if you get to study Matthew chapter 24 you need to draw plenty of lines <laughs> okay um, thirdly um, at this point you have to pray Yes, at the beginning of every study venture, always say a word of prayer that God by His mercies will meet you in the scripture. He said to Moses that when you come, when you want to come to me, when you want to hear from me, go through the outer court. I know and the the tabernacle itself will be built in Judah. Okay, so you have to go through Judah and you are going to go through the outer court. You are going to go into the inner court, through the first court, into the inner court and you are going to Go through the table of bread, You are going to go through the you know, altar of incense. You are going to go through the brazen lava, You are going to go through all those of them, the seven candlesticks, and you are going to go through the second curtain to come into the holiest of all. All this period, you are not going to hear anything until you come to me at the mercy seat. I will speak to you from in between the mercy seat. Every one of these things have their significances. You must tell God, please meet me as I come boldly to your throne of grace. Meet me, speak with me. Let your word come to me as I come you know, to sit down to eat at your table. It is very imperative that every one of us bears in mind that God is the one who speaks his word to his people. I think we dealt um, that, with that extensively in the last episode. Um, so, say a word of prayer. Say deeply and allow God to meet you. Okay, so number one, create a time for study. Number two, be ready to draw lines or color passages of your Bible or get a daughter to write down things as you study. Or do all of them. Okay, because when you begin to study, you are going to write down the things that are hitting you or coming at you from the passage. You must be able to write down something. Okay, thirdly, pray that God will meet you along the way. Fourthly, there are different types of study. Um, Just like when we were promoting the reading of the Bible back then, I tried to explain that there are different kinds of Bible translations. We have the, 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 the transliteration or the transliterated versions of the Bible and we also have the paraphrased versions of the Bible. Now because of the structure of how the manuscripts of the Bible were given to us, the people who really had the the first hand knowledge and opportunity to translate the Bible did that from the original manuscripts. I hear they are still available, the original manuscripts, so people may still decide to go there and take a look for themselves. But we know that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. So, where you find those manuscripts there are those bible versions that were translated that is to say the words were moved exactly the way they were in the local language and brought to the english language and so those ones are more difficult to understand if you just want to read okay but they are always more beneficial if you want to study and of course we all know the Old King James Version is a basic example of a perfectly transliterated version. Okay. It was moved word for word, meaning for me, and so it retains the original com- concept except in a few places <coughs> excuse me, where um, a little tiny little errors came in and all that. But apart from that, the Old King James Version is largely perfect, completely perfect. An example of a transliterated version. Okay, there are others. Of course, the New King James Version is the same like the old, just that the English was made newer. Um, the NIV is not too far from the King James. Okay, so it also serves in that in that, light. Uh, you may find one or two as you go, like um, I think there's a Young's literal translation, uh, YLT, is not popular in this part, but theologians know of it, and there are many other versions like that that we we do not know of. Uh, then there is the paraphrased version. The paraphrased version I see like a second generation. It is the versions we had when modern English has set in and so most of them were were adapted from the translated versions. So you find um, versions like um, revised standard version you know is a is a trans is a, a paraphrasing or a translation from the king james version a simpler form of the king james version and you find many and many like that simple english versions which are actually coined out you know, they are translated translated versions made simpler and there are many of them nlt um tlb GNB Good News Bible, every ESV English Standard Version, okay, every man's version, you know, uh, American Standard Version, many like that, Uh, uh, you know, ESV. I mentioned ESV, and just like that, like that, we find many of them, and I think the chiefest of them all (laughs) uh, is the Amplified Version, the Amplified Bible, and the Message Version message is quite recent so the amplified version or Bible these scriptures they are they are paraphrased what do I mean they are they are made written in very simple English more modern English and they do not focus on just translating the Greek or Hebrew context word for word they are also focused in providing the con uh, the context you know the meaning with the surrounding context, so that the reader can enter into it like in today's world. So, instead of just putting the words bluntly, we make it into a, a more useful sentence. So, you find in some scriptures, you may find some words written in italics, even in the kingdoms, there, written in italics. Those words were not there in the original Bible version. But because we want to make this rendition more understanding to the individual so instead of saying that he will come we see the that he the son of God will come then the, the son of God will be put in italics to let the reader know that this was not part of the original translation we added it for a person who is reading to understand what the person communicating was saying and because reading a person's comment after 4000 years bring a lot of confusion if the sentences are not complete we don't know all he knew when he was talking to his neighbor okay so this way that's the basic difference between them but apart from that these types of bible when you go into study i'll encourage you to have both of them side by side have one kjv version and one esv version have one niv with one and one nlt you have one of the the older type of the versions with one of the more recent type of versions so that we can easily make comparison Um, and king james version the new king james version is a must-have should be a must-have for every one of us now when you have picked your bible there are different types of study you could do a contextual study Okay, remember that we are still discussing introduction to IBS. You could do a contextual study, that is a study of the context. That's a passage. You want to read from verse one to verse fifteen. That's a whole passage. Doing that gives you the context. Okay. What you should never do is a single verse study. Just pick it and just you could run into problems. Of course you can't do that in ibs you may need another pattern to do it in ibs you can't really do a single best study what you need to do is a contextual study you can also do a conceptual the first is context the second is concept okay and that is to say when i mean conceptual you pick a concept of scripture faith grace giving uh, marriage You know, sexual perversion. You could pick a concept and say, okay, I want to study the whole Bible to know what the Bible says about this concept. That is also a holistic study. It gives you knowledge and you see the timeline, the the flow from the Old Testament to the New Testament of what the Bible says about this thing. Is the Bible consistent with what is said in old testament and new testament about grace, about faith, about this? Is it is the Bible consistent? So you could do a study of a concept. I said the first one is contextual, that is a passage study. The second one is conceptual, that is a study of a particular concept throughout a book or a, a testament or the whole. Bible the third one is a topical study okay and um, this is a little deductive because if it is not retroactive then it's not good I'll explain what I mean when you do a topical study that is to say, you should have prepared the passage and given it a topic so when a teacher stands in front and says what we're going to study about today is hearing from god that means he has already dealt with the passages he wants to teach and then he has given them a title so that is a retro- it is retroactive for us he's telling us the title first before telling us what is the details but for him he started by studying the scripture before giving it a title And you see this in the preacher's message on Sunday. Okay? He starts with a passage, studies it, and he captions it with a topic. If you do the reverse, then you are deducing. You stand the chance of not being perfect. You stand the chance of forcing the scripture to get the meaning you want it to have. You stand the chance of forcing the scripture to become what you want it to become you stand a chance of looking for scriptures that justify your claim that is to say i come and i say my topic i fix the topic first the topic says god will kill everyone who hates him then i now begin to look for scriptures that back up my claim yours sincerely you will find scriptures that back up any claim at all but when you do that that is deductive reasoning that's deductive study it is wrong it's wrong. This is how doctrinal biases were created. If you want to do topical study, the right way is go through the passage first, then let the scriptures speak to you, and you come up with a topic as the teacher. But of course, when you are presenting it to the crowd, when you are saying, Okay, we have come for Bible study, and the topic of today's study is God will punish all you. You state the topic first. So what they hear is the topic then you now begin to bring out the scriptures and begin to dig deep and we will end up seeing the message which you have already seen back at home before you gave the topic. So I call it a retroactive study. We are actually walking from back, from front, from back, uh, how do I put it now? Okay, We are walking from the end back to the beginning. Okay, that's better. We are walking from the end of the study back to the beginning. The topic comes at the end when you have seen what's in it. But when you are presenting it, you present the end first, and then we are walking back to the beginning. So, these are the three kinds of studies I have listed. There may be more, but I think that this basically covers all the kinds of studies you may want to do. One is the study of a passage, which is a context. Two is the study of a concept in a book of the Bible or in the whole Bible. And three is a study of a topic, which you must be careful not to be deductive. You should be retroactive deductive means that you state the topic first then you now go and look for scriptures that back up your claim no that is wrong you are forcing the bible to have its own the meaning you want it to have but retroactive means that you first start with the passage and then you caption it with the topic but of course when you are presenting it to the house or to your church you present the topic first before you now go to the passage and by the time you finish with the passage everybody will now see why you titled it how you titled it Okay? May God give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Now, so that is about types of study. Number five um, is the passage of the Bible you are studying. Please pay attention to this introduction. It's, it's, very, it's going to help you for a very long time. There are different types of Bible literature. Okay, The Bible is one big book, but it contains 66 books. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, but we can split them into about six categories Okay, the first category you will meet in the Bible is the Old Testament history or narrative Old Testament history of course, you know that the first five books of the Bible is called the Pentateuch Yes, but the Pentateuch is also more is more or less history also As told by Moses, they are called the Pentateuch because they are the five you know, first books of the Bible, and they are written by the same person, Moses. So the Pentateuch <coughs> is, um, excuse me, is also history bu- books. Uh, I classify all of them under Old Testament history. Old Testament history begins from Genesis down to Esther. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Samuel, Chronicles, down to Esther, and ha- part of the first portion of Daniel. Okay, so all the books of the Bible from Genesis to Esther and part of Daniel, they are referred to as Old Testament history. The second kind of books, set of books you will see in the Bible are the poetic books. Okay, and the poetic books, they begin from Job down to Songs of Solomon. So Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Songs of Solomon, Ecclesiastes and Songs of Solomon are poetic books you will see that the way they are written, the way they sound, is not the way the, old, the, the history books, you know, are sound. Okay. Um, thirdly, we have the Old Testament prophets. The Old Testament prophets. And, of course, they are divided into major prophets and minor prophets. And um, major prophets, they all have the same style of writing, but in terms of volume and influence, major prophets include Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel and then the minor prophets begin from Hosea down to Malachi. All of them, Hosea, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, they are all minor prophets. So, the Old Testament, you can have three large portions of the Old Testament. One is the Old Testament history. Two is the Old Testament poetry. Three is the Old Testament prophets, which comprises the major and minor prophets. Now, in the New Testament, we also have three. We have the New Testament history, which of course is from Matthew to the book of to Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Acts. They are New Testament history. Or popularly called the Gospel. The first four are called the Gospels. Okay. Plus the Act of the Apostles. They are history books. They tell us stories of things that happened. So the pattern of writing is narrative. Is narrative. Okay. Um, next we have New Testament letters. And um, these are popularly called Epistles. Now, Apostle Paul wrote most of them, but he is not the only writer of the epistles. Uh, other ones like Peter, James, John, Jude are there. So the epistles begin from Romans down to Jude. Okay, but Apostle Paul is, the, is largely the author of, 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 the, of the epistles. Then finally we have eschatology. You may have heard of this. Eschatology refers to Revelations and the other half of Daniel. The other half part of Daniel. So, eschatology talks about future events. It's a compilation of events of the future coded in symbols and um, and what have you. So, revelation falls into that part and then half part of Daniel falls into that category. So, the six of them, in the New Testament we have the New Testament history, we have the New Testament letters or epistles, and we have the eschatology. So, these are the six large chunks. Why are we saying this? It's good for everybody who wants to study to know that the pattern with which the words are written, the pattern with which the message is being communicated is not the same all through the Bible. So you don't approach all of them with the same mindset. For instance, when you get into eschatology, some parts of Daniel, some parts of and the whole of Revelation, you begin to see symbols. You don't, they are not just stories written like When Jesus walked the earth and went on healing and saying things, most of the things said in those passages, if not all, are coded, you know, with meanings. And then when you come into poetry, you begin to know that, oh, there is plenty of um, poetic representations in these passages. You must take note of that. When you come into prophets, you know that, oh, we are ready to see direct rebukes. We are ready to hear blunt speakings of God. You know, and when you come into the history books, whether Old Testament history or New Testament history, you know that, oh, this is story. These are narratives being told about what happened here and what happened there, what this person did and what that did. So there's plenty of summaries given in the, in the history books. Plenty of summaries. You should be able to spread it out, you know, and get more flesh added to the stories as you read it. And finally, when you come into the letters, Okay, you now see that, okay, this is being written in a different mood. It's talking to a people with whom there is some level of relationship. Not just a storytelling that you don't know who will read it, but when you are writing to the Corinthians or you are writing to a, 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 a friend somewhere, you know, somebody who is reading this, who is writing this, has a personal relationship, a, a prior knowledge, you know, that is, as, is forming a background to this and then um, as you will find when you begin to study you know you get to discover that the epistles are all based on the gospels and the book of Acts okay a lot of prior knowledge from that okay so number six and finally when you pick a passage to study please stay with the passage now this is very difficult but we find people who love to jump about the scripture the only time you are allowed to jump about is when you are doing a conceptual study okay so maybe when you are studying about grace or you are studying about judgment you may move from genesis to exodus to leviticus to mark to john to acts of the apostle jumping about comparing scriptures because you want to get everything about a con concept but in And as you will find, in IBS, we don't do much of conceptual study most of the times. We don't do much of topical study most of the times. What we do mostly in IBS is contextual. Take a passage, sit with the passage, and this is instruction. Assume as if you don't know anything else but the passage you are reading. Any question that arises from the passage, seek the answer within the passage. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the easiest way to stay true to doctrine. This is the easiest way to stay correct to exegesis. You are going to fall into errors if you are not skilled with scripture and you want to start to use another passage elsewhere to justify what you are seeing in this passage or quote another scripture elsewhere to justify what you think. Remember, you are not to approach the Bible with with your own meaning. We have said it before, you must allow the Bible to speak to you what the meaning, what meaning is already in the Bible. If you are going to do this, stay with the passage and assume that you know nothing else. Okay, so as I round this introduction up, I want to introduce us to the three approaches or the three stages of inductive Bible study. The first stage is the observation stage. The second stage is the interpretation stage the third stage is the application stage o-i-a you must know this as a rule of the thumb o is observation i is interpretation a is application o-i-a now in our next episode we are going to consider what do we mean by observation then from there we'll proceed into what do we mean by interpretation from there we'll proceed into what do we mean by application okay so thank you very much i believe we have done quite some job in introducing us to both IBS and the concept of Bible study and just giving an overview of what the scripture looks like. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. Help that everyone who listens to this, everyone who has partaken in this broadcast, everyone who has heard these words and who will hear after now, that they will begin to, you know, a broad understanding, a a, a spectral understanding will come into our mind, that everyone will have grew, with this mind, and approach the Bible you know, with deep understanding, clearer understanding. Help us, Lord. I pray for everyone who listens to this that more hunger to study will be built up in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. I'll see you in the next episode where we talk about observation. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the National Youth Fellowship of Living Gospel Mission.